You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Skype once again is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, we actually have games to talk about. How exciting. Yeah, they uh, and they look like uh, kind of the good and the bad from what we saw last year. Like we saw like the bad version of the team and the good version of the team in uh, in in two different games. Uh, I think this that second period of the Jets game was when when things started to click and I was like, okay, this um, started to calm down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt in the caps game uh, and we'll get to both games in, in depth in a second, but I felt like uh, as I was watching it, I'm like, yeah, this pretty much looks like last year's Islanders. Like they weren't bad until the third period, which was bad, but like the first two periods, they were sort of okay. And I'm like, yeah, they're all right. They're just not scoring on any of these chances. And that's probably going to come back to bite them. And sure enough, it kind of did. So, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, they, they look more or less like they, we expect them to look, um, they had a week off in between games, which I think people kind of forgot about. And we saw how this team did well with long layoffs <laughs> last year in the playoffs. It was not pretty. Uh, and they had off from Saturday, their final preseason game all the way to Friday. And it was nice that people got healthy, but, uh, it also meant some rust. Uh, so yeah, the op- opening game was last Friday night at the Coliseum, uh, against the Washington Capitals, who, as you may remember, are still pretty good. And, uh, you know, I thought they were pretty even for the first two periods. Maybe the Caps had slightly better of the play. The Caps had already played one game. Uh, but uh, they took a 2-1 lead going into the third, and the Islanders just had absolutely nothing in the third. It was it was pretty embarrassing and pretty frustrating, And uh, as I'm sure it was for the Islanders. They just every pass would not connect. Uh, they couldn't barely cross the blue line without the Caps getting the puck back and kicking it back out again. And so... Uh, it was pretty frustrating. Devon Tave scored a quote unquote scored a hilarious goal that pinballed off about fifteen different people. So that was that was the only highlight. Other than that, they uh, they came you know a bunch of deflections from being shut out uh, by a rookie making his first NHL appearance, which is basically the most Islanders thing that ever could have happened. Uh, you, you were at the game, right? So what was yeah. your impression from being actually there? Uh, well, I mean, it was good to be back, and it, like it was from like an atmosphere standpoint, it was great. The uh, the crowd was great and there was more uh optimism like visceral optimism tangible i guess than than i felt on a hype like it felt like there was yeah. a ton of hype more than so than usual you know yeah and the team was definitely leaning into that like with the pregame stuff like this they wanted to drive home the point that uh you know i think we talked about it last week a little bit too like this they there's i think 
finally starting to understand the fan base and what, you know, we we kind of pride ourselves in as a fan base. And they're trying to bring that up a notch. Uh, and that's what I thought. I, I thought they were doing a pretty good job of that from like a game production and atmosphere standpoint. And uh, it, it took like two minutes of being inside the building before down Easter Alexa was being played and like, you know, it was very long. It felt good. It felt like, like Long Island. They should have been passing around, uh, you know, Italian heroes on plastic plates and stuff. And, uh, it, people just let people eat, eat them in the upper bowl. But the, I mean, the crowd, the, the tailgating was going on and all that. Um, but then, yeah, the game, it just, they looked I mean, if the Islanders were tough to beat last year, every, basically every game and you know, 65 out of the 82 games, probably, uh, they just were t- a tough puzzle to solve. And they were, that again but the problem was that they didn't really have much going forward at all uh and it was frustrating because that game could have gone 18 or 19 periods and i don't think the islanders would have scored again <laughs> yeah unless it, unless radko gudis kicked in another one <laughs> yeah that that no I, I agree that that's a good way to put it like it just felt like that third period felt like you know just really 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 frustrating and again it's it was frustrating for me sitting there watching at home it was frustrating for you sitting there in the stands watching it i can't even imagine like you could see the fa- the look on Matt Barzell's face was growing very very frustrated and you know they they might have had a couple of seconds worth of his own time and with a couple of seconds to go but you know you lose 2-1 it's it, it, it could mean a lot of different things and in this case it was just like they literally just came up one goal short and you know that one goal it felt like they were 10 miles from it. So uh, what are you going to do? Uh, then, uh, you know, everybody was kind of mad and, and not feeling great. Uh, two days go by. Sunday evening at the Coliseum again. Rare Sunday evening game. I can't remember the last time they played a 7 o'clock Sunday game. Uh, it was against the Winnipeg Jets who have played. This was like their third game of the season or maybe fourth game. I'm not even sure. Uh, Josh Morrissey didn't play. They started their backup goalie who's uh, got a great name, Laurent Bossois. What a great name. And uh, everybody's heard Dustin Bufflin is sitting at home wondering if he wants to play. Um, but they still have some formidable forwards. And the Islanders came out with a 4-1 win. Um, first period was kind of meh for the Islanders. Yeah, Winnipeg was kind of better. Uh, but the second period was all Islanders. And they just – it was awesome. I mean, that was one of the best periods I've seen them play in a long time, even stretching back to last year. They were just great. They got three goals. Josh Bailey, Brock Nelson, uh, uh, Anders Lee scored off a, a Scott Mayfield shot. Uh, then Line A made it 3-1 just before the end of the period, and you thought, oh, boy, here comes the comeback. But Anthony Beauvillier scored early in the third. Thomas Grice was huge throughout the period, and uh, they walked away with the win. And I, that might be the best game I've ever seen Anthony Beauvillier play in his career. Like, it feels like he's been here for 10 years, and he was just all over the place. I know he ended up with a goal and an assist, but uh, he was awesome. I mean, he, he yeah. won number one star for a reason. Like, he was just great. Yeah, him and Grice, I thought, were yes, spectacular. Sure. The f- and, I, and I was saying, I was there with uh, – with my dad and I was saying like that th- the second period from Laurent Brossois was the most impressive three goal allowed period I've ever seen a goalie play. I mean, he was amazing. Yeah. Uh, he stopped Brock Nelson on two different shots on the same breakaway. He stopped Komarov on a breakaway. He stopped Barzell in close. I mean, he was really, really good. Yeah. Um, but Grice was just because of that, like you, I kind of forgot how good Grice was the whole game, and uh, I thought Varlamov was fine in the first game too. Yeah. Like I think the first goal, you know, maybe like if fifty-fifty, you could call it that he should have saved it. But it was—I mean—that was a good wrist shot. And uh, but yeah, for the two of them, Grice was the, the the better. So I'd expect, I guess, to see him tomorrow against the Oilers. And um, if if Trotz does his thing, where he you know plays the hot hand, and then. Uh, but yeah, of the forwards, I think the two best forwards so far have been uh, Beauvillier and Barzell. Barzell was insane yeah. yesterday. I mean, he was he had a couple video game shifts against the Capitals, but yesterday, anytime he was on the ice, it was you know he was looping around mm. the zone. He was doing like those Blake, old school Blake Como, right? Zo- you know, zone orbits, but like his are a lot more menacing <laughs> than looked, Blake Como's were. He looked a lot more like rookie year Barzell. Like there's yeah. times when he just had the puck and as Brendan Burke would say, he goes on the tour and he just started yeah. like starts, you know, skating around and uh yeah, no, he he was great yesterday against the Jets and I'll tell you, you know, he's obviously in much better shape than I will ever be. He's Matt Barzell has forgotten more about hockey than I will ever know. But I think his shot is just kind of not quite there to be the sort of like, you know, player that he wants it to he wants to be. 
And if he could ever find it and bury chances like that one you were just mentioning where he was like skating all around and he shook one guy off and then ended up with basically 10 feet of open ice in front of him. And if he can start to bury stuff like that, he's going to be, I mean, one of the best players in the league. Like, I mean, he already yeah. is, but he, he will take that next level step and be he's like, he's definitely already one, one of like probably the five most entertaining players to watch in the league. Yeah. Um, and he's also something I was thinking about yesterday was because of the way home ice advantage works, where you can match up lines, you know, you, the Islanders get the second change at home. I mean, he when he had he was out and I know the Jets were dealing with Josh Morrissey being hurt and like you know they had five borderline NHL defensemen playing basically oh my God, yeah, it was, it was you know feel bad for them but yeah. uh, he was just taking several of them for a ride every time he was on the on the ice and yeah. you know he's when they have that second change like he's going to be able to do that a lot and yeah he's I, I don't know I don't know you know people always talk about like Austin Matthews shot like. He's got an elite shot. Ovechkin, obviously. Like if 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 Barzell can just find like a a good yeah good finish shot, I I he's gonna score like some of the most beautiful goals. Uh, you'll you'll see. Yeah. Uh, the play yesterday reminded me a lot of when he uh, the overtime goal that Beauvillier scored against the or I guess Bailey scored uh, against the Penguins. Oh right, when, yeah. When when Barzell basically stopped time for like you know <laughs> ten minutes and. Then Bailey scored on the on the rebound, but uh, yeah, the, the the two of them. I'm, I mean, Bailey was really good too. Um, yeah, the forwards but, in general were all really good. Um, yeah, Nelson. So yeah, I'm just going yeah. down the list right now. And obviously, like like the the I think the line that has got the most shine. And you know, we were talking before about how Beauvillier's kind of been the forgotten guy, but his line with Broussard and Komarov, believe it or not, like just that seems like it's working. Yeah, you know, no, very yeah, weird, weird way. <laughs> yeah, these mismatched parts. Uh, Leo had that that clear breakaway, the shorthanded breakaway against the Jets. And, uh, you know, he ended up missing it. Uh, he didn't really get a ton on the shot at all. But I was thinking to myself, had he buried that, that would have bought him probably a couple months of goodwill. And people would have just been, like, gotten off his back a little bit. Not that it, he cares, I'm sure. But, like, that would have been, like, the highlight play for probably the first third of the season. And then, you know, it would be – Thanksgiving and you'd look and be like, mm, Leo only still has that one goal, huh? Wow, that's kind of weird. But, you know, you just remember it because it would have been just a huge thing. That know, thing happened out. so slowly. Yeah. he. I, <laughs> I thought I was going to be able to chase him down. Yeah. I, it, it was so slow that you heard so many people, like, get eight yeah. or nine full Uncle Leos out. Come on, Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo. Come on, Uncle Leo. Yeah. It was and, it was very slow and, and it was so deli- – and then for him to just whiff on it and just be like, ugh, you could hear the air come out of the crowd too. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, with the goalies. No, I agree with what you said. Uh, I thought Val- Varlamov was okay in the first game. You know, yeah, that first goal probably wasn't great, but you know, it's his first game and you kind of give it to them. The second one, which turned out to be the game winner was a really weird power play goal. Like the puck was just kind of loose and there was like, I don't know, five or six guys standing in front of him and it, the puck sort of popped out and ended up right in front of TJ Oshi, who like literally just kind of golfed it in over Varlamov's shoulder. I'm not sure who who could have really gotten that. It was a real kind of broken play. Uh, but I thought he was pretty good. But Grice really, you know, and they mentioned this too on the broadcast, and we mentioned it last week too. I mean, we all were so excited for Robin Leonard's numbers last year. We forgot how good Grice was, and he picked up right where he left off. He's just a very, very, you know, steady guy back there. And I thought to myself, well, this is probably going to be his last year as an Islander, almost assuredly his last year as an Islander. It's going to be weird when he's not there, so... Hopefully Varlamov can find that same that same sweet spot, or else you know you're going to have that safety net kind of go away all of a sudden. And hopefully you can, you know, it might, all of a sudden you might be having to survive problems that you didn't think you had you had to worry about for a long time because this guy was just pretty good. Uh, yeah, at, you know, but I yeah, just we'll, trust him. It, it, yeah, it's he's. I thought. I mean, I I always thought Halak was was really much better than he got credit for uh, in his time here, and but. We've had him and, you know, between him, Grice, and Leonard last year, it's just been hmm. kind of, uh, you know, weird having a great stretch of goaltenders you can trust. You know, Kevin Poulin isn't knocking down <laughs> that door anymore. So yeah, it's, right. uh, it's, it's you know, it's Nate, not Nate, you know, Nathan Lawson and Kevin Poulin. Like, you, we're not making up players, uh, right. which is, which is <laughs> no, fun. They're all real. And, Look them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just, it's been a while now. Like, it's Grice yeah. and, I, I know Grice and Halak were really bad in, in the, <laughs> that, season with 
Wade and right. but I mean the whole team was just they didn't do anything. They hung him out to dry for 82 games on an 82 game stretch. What are you going to do? And um, that's kind of, I think that season is just the outlier. And I think if if Grice gives gives us you know close to what he gave us on uh, Sunday night and Varlamov is you know kind of maybe raises his level a little bit or play even plays the, the way he I mean let up two goals of the Capitals that's fine. Mm. Um, you'll take that and that that is obviously paramount to the team's success uh the their uh, our style is obviously predicated on, on do, playing well defensively and getting good goaltending so uh very encouraging start from the two of them i would think uh that grice would probably start against edmonton and then they they have back-to-back games friday and saturday friday in carolina and then saturday in florida so uh even if grice ends up playing against the oilers and the the hurricanes uh, which you know he will because he's always good against the Hurricanes. Uh, Varlamov's going to get right back in there on Friday, on Saturday against the Panthers, I would think. So s- some kind of combination like that. So uh, I wouldn't worry about it. But apparently they have the same kind of relationship that Leonard and Grice enjoyed, which is like the guy. The other guy doesn't care when when they're starting. Like they just start and that's it. So it's, it seems to be all good. Uh, as far as the defense goes, I thought they played pretty well uh, in both games. Definitely against the Jets, they they held a lot of the bigger guns. Off the board, uh, Ovechkin was very quiet for him uh, against the Caps. I mean, he had a couple of chances, I think, but generally speaking, he didn't, you know, menace them the way he, Alexander Ovechkin has in a long, long time. And and the uh, the Shifley uh, Wheeler line was very quiet uh, for the Jets. Uh, you know, it's hard to make anything happen when the Islanders keep coming back the other way. But uh, you know, Line A got open uh, for his shot basically because of a turnover at the blue line from Adam Pellick. But that was really Pellick's only mistake in two games. He's been great. Him and Pullock have been kind of all over the all the top offensive guys that they've seen, or you know, <laughs> two games worth of top offensive guys. I'm sure they'll draw the McDavid assignment uh, on Tuesday night when you're probably listening to this uh, against the Oilers. Uh, but they've been great. Um, my only complaint, really, has uh, been about Johnny Boychuk. Uh, I'm a huge Johnny Boychuk fan. We talked about it last time, but I thought his game against Winnipeg was a little bit concerning he seemed kind of slow uh kind of slow to react slow to turn around a little bit like a battleship out there you know just kind of wasn't getting around all that that easy and Noah Dobson still hasn't played yet uh we don't know when he's gonna play maybe he's healthy enough to play against Edmonton but uh you know on one hand it's it's tough to watch Johnny uh you know maybe he's got a nagging thing but it's tough to kind of watch him start slow out of the gate but at the same time it's hard not to think it maybe opens up a spot for Noah Dobson to jump in there and and get some reps. So, you know, maybe it was just Johnny not feeling all that well, and maybe he'll be, he'll rebound, but you know, whatever, 35, 36 years old. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be weird, but you know, Dobson is waiting in the wings and Johnny didn't look like a guy who, you know, uh, was going to hold him back. <laughs> Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. I thought the two I kind of noticed were him and, and Mayfield a little bit, but Mayfield just, I think that's just who he is. You know, his game isn't, you know, pretty on the eyes. He's uh I thought he had a couple of whacks at a couple of pucks to like clear the zone on, on uh, kind of long shifts that he just didn't do the right thing on. And had, like, I think he had one bad icing, but um, yeah, the, I mean the, the Pelic Pollock pair, I was so impressed with there. They looked uh, just like every bit of number one pair um, in those first two games. And I, I mean, I never thought Adam Pelic was going to be good. I thought, <laughs> I just, I just thought he was just going to be like an unremarkable guy who, Right. We'd be joking about on this podcast, you know, four years from now, mm. being like, remember that guy, you know, he's didn't play for another team again because he just was an, it's just such an Islander that we, you know, we thought he was going to be good, but he's completely turned on me and, and he is really, really good. He, he had a really nice play against, uh, Mark Shifley and I think it was the third period, uh, where he kind of just shut him down. Nick Letty was good. Nick Letty yeah. looked, has looked pretty like much like the Nick Letty of old. And I think, a lot of it has to do is his minutes have probably gotten easier now that <laughs> we have an established number one pair right. and Letty and Boychuk aren't going to be seeing, you know, the Lion A's and Ovechkins of the world. They'll be seeing the Mark Letestu and uh, <laughs> Gabriel Bork. The Jets, yeah. uh, the Jets, honestly, like uh, they had to, I always like to give away a personal, personal award that I don't even, it's, I call it the Jim Vandermeer. That guy's still in the league <laughs> award. And, uh, Vitestu and Gabriel Bork are definitely on the short list. Yeah, Gabriel Bork, uh, I didn't it, realize it takes a little longer. Was yeah, still how in the about league. that guy? But he's <laughs> like, he's God. there. Yeah, and he would have been there for a long time. I wouldn't even know. <laughs> but but yeah, the defense. I thought I've had no really complaints about the defense at all. I think the first game they were seemed some 
just some rust. Like they they were missing passes that you, I couldn't make up another excuse other than rust, um, because like the, the breakouts are just f- f- missing by like two or three feet at a time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, honestly, if they had lost last night, this obviously would be a different conversation. But uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure, I don't think that any of the big lingering questions have been answered yet. But no new ones have popped up, which is good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there wasn't any surprises, I would say, um, between these these couple of games. Uh, it, you know, it, they went about as well as you would expect it. Had, had they lost to the Jets, yeah, people would have been upset because that team is, I mean, quite honestly, especially the defense is just not. I mean, even, even Paul Maurice was saying after the game, I mean, Paul Maurice is not a guy who minces words very often, and he, he was saying that, you know their their number one defensive pair was you know former Ranger Neil Pionk and I think eighteen year old kid Vili Heinonen or uh, whatever his name is and uh, Heinola uh, Heinola I think that's how you pronounce it and uh, those two guys are not expected to be a number one defensive pairing in the NHL like they just weren't but when you're when Josh Morrissey's hurt and Dustin Buffman isn't home and you've traded Jacob Truba and Toby Enstrom is somewhere I don't know where he's at these days um, you know that's what's gonna happen. So that's that's how it is. But, uh, you know, the Islanders did what they needed to do. They came out and won. And, again, they, they got a little bit sloppy in the third. Uh, Trotz even said so. But their second was just so good that it it kind of propelled them going forward. Um, one thing about um, s- uh, Sunday's game, though, that, that came up uh, was something we haven't talked about in a long time, the attendance. Uh, I think it was 9,900 and something at the Coliseum. Uh, people were concerned. I thought this was going to be – you know, not a problem anymore. They're moving back to the Coliseum. People were supposed to go. I think the fact of the matter is, and you were there, so I want to hear what how you felt it was while you were sitting there. But, you know, for my, my feeling, my takeaway on this is, I mean, I'm, I've been tired of this story forever. And I think we just all need to kind of come to grips with the fact that this is the Islanders fan base. Like, this is it. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they, we know what games are going to sell out. Playoff games, games against the Rangers, games against the Flyers, the Habs, teams like that, maybe the Penguins. But this is the Leafs, I guess, now. But, like, if you're talking about a Sunday game against Winnipeg, as nameless and faceless a team in the NHL as you have, this is pretty good. And if you had asked me to come up with a number of how many people were at that game, I probably before the game actually happened, I probably would have said, yeah, probably about 10,000, give or take, which is pretty much what it was. And if you had told me, oh, yeah, by the way, there was 9,000 people, I'd be like, actually, they don't, that's pretty good for that kind of game because this is just the way this fan base is like they're just not going to turn out for games that don't have a certain hook to them and we know what those hooks are playoffs rangers flyers habs leafs and penguins that's it those those are the, even games against the devils don't sell out oh the, i guess the bruins too because a lot of bruins fans come down from the habs but that's just sort of it but i mean you were saying that the atmosphere despite the empty seats was actually pretty good for that game and so it sounded like a pretty fun game to be at i don't know yeah really i when I saw that people were making a fuss about it, I thought, you know, I, I'm actually very pleasantly surprised with the turnout because <laughs> it looked it looked not. I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't full, but it looked exactly like an Islander game would look like at Nassau Coliseum when the Islanders were, you know, in the either good or in the beginning of a season when the hope was still high. Like that's that's what it looks like. I don't know why anyone was was surprised or embarrassed by it. Like, so, and and I can't. I just don't like that. <laughs> Islander fans don't realize that this like we're what I saw Arthur Staple in the intermission and I said that I was you know I, I, I was like ribbing him a little bit for the tweet and then I was like I'm per- this is nice this is a good crowd I thought and, <laughs> and somebody's like well you know you must have very low expectations and I mean yeah <laughs> of course <laughs> I don't know like this is it this is what it's been for Ever and and the fact that they were you know good last year and exciting had an exciting run and the Coliseum came back that doesn't mean that fans were just going to pop up out of the woodwork and just start showing up to Sunday night games in right. October against the team that people that have has, been staying away from these exact games for thirty years aren't just all of a sudden going to show yeah, up yeah you know? like I don't understand like if this game was in April and the Islanders needed to win to clinch home ice advantage or clinch a playoff spot like of course right the place would be rocking but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's and it's the second game of the season. Like, well, you, <laughs> you, you right. were, you're right. We haven't talked about attendance in a long time because it was kind of, you know, the Coliseum last year. It, we didn't, we didn't. Re- nobody really knew what the situation. We we all kind of had an inkling, like, yeah, the Coliseum will be back for uh, this season, and there will probably be more games here. But last year, like, it was there was uh, a second. Ch- like, you don't get a second chance in in sports ever, and. uh 
we got one and that's why people showed up like sure this is not going to happen with as much fervor this year until the games have more weight to them um and just who cares (laughs) and all those coliseum games last year were in the second half of the season i mean there was the one in december there was the first one was in december there was a couple there and then everything else was so back back half of the season and then the the Toronto game and so like there was there were stakes there had those games been played earlier in the season there they would have been just as empty as they were at Barclays Center like that's just how it is so um you know this is this fan base is a very small b very jaded and you know uh, abused as we say all the time and uh they just they turn out for very specific games that's how it is now of course you try and explain this to, you know, I can imagine, I know what's, well, I don't know how much traveling media Edmonton has, but like you try and explain this to an Edmonton beat writer if they start taking pictures of the empty seats tomorrow night or Tuesday night, uh, you know, they're not going to care. But I think for us, we just need to kind of understand that. Like that's just how it is. This fan base yeah. turns out for specific games at specific times and not just for every single game all the time. It's just how it is. Maybe it'll change at some point. But and, uh, To be honest, like I kind of, it's, that's, fine like especially for someone who goes to a lot of games like that's <laughs> that's like the perfect crowd for a sunday night like you could kind of, there's no pressure there's you could spread out a little bit there's if you need to like move seats because you know that your row is filled but there's a row in front of you that's not like that's part of the charm of the coliseum like right. you could show up and be like oh my ticket says i'm sitting here but i'm gonna like you know take <laughs> a take a step back down for yeah, sure, yeah exactly and uh yeah. you know you could walk around to the concourse it's, it was it was a fine crowd it was the crowd was very happy because islanders won uh <laughs> and all all you know the arguing and like the the ego jockeying about oh you know this can't happen again uh needs to stop because yeah. it's going to happen again on tuesday yep and it might happen it's, i don't think it'll happen again you know saturday nights obviously they yeah. fill up a little more but weeknight games whether it's in Kings County or Nassau County, like there's just no one's going to be there. I don't, I don't, and I'm sorry, not no one, but the crowd that's going to be there is the crowd that you'd expect to be there. It's right. going to be the, the people who could make the game seven o'clock in Uniondale. It's not easy for a lot of people to make, and I fully get, understand that. And um, I don't understand why more people who have been around this fan base or in this fan base for much longer just make a big deal about it. Right. Uh, Saturday, I expect to be full. It's alumni night, so it's alumni night. be ready. That, that John Bates was there on Friday. Yeah, uh, Richard Park was there. Uh, Staple oh, was saying. I mean, he I was know. There and I, somebody, I, I was so mad that he didn't tell me that when he was there. That would it was probably for, it was probably better for, for yeah. everyone involved. He didn't he didn't want your, your yeah. you to stalk him. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know the the two W's are are the worst thing for the Islanders. What weekday nights against the Western Conference? That's the killer right there. Every year forever has been bad news for the Islanders attendance-wise when those two W's get together. So, you know, just how it's going to be. Uh, okay, uh, so when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about uh, another guy who is uh, missing in, in action, so to speak, and, uh, you know, get to uh, look at that Oilers game and uh, talk about some other things. All right, we'll be back in a second. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In our first episode of the season, we spoke a lot about a couple of guys who were placed on waivers. Thomas Hickey. Tanner Fritz, I almost forgot his name there, sorry, Tanner, and Josh Hosang. Uh, All three guys passed through waivers, uh, through the magic of whatever, we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, But since that happened, uh, a lot has also happened. Uh, Thomas Hickey, 
uh, suited up for the Sound Tigers and said that, you know, he holds no ill will. He understands what's going on, and his goal is to get back to the Islanders as soon as he can. And uh, then he immediately took a bullshit blindside hit from some dude on Springfield. He's okay, I guess. Thank God. Uh, but uh, it did not look good. And Thomas Hickey has a, a history of concussions, but it seems like he's been okay. And that hit was, oh, man. I never, I don't usually get too upset about that kind of stuff, but that hit was yeah. stupid. Apparently it was the guy who hit him was Colin McDonald's brother-in-law. Yeah, you know, C Mac, you gotta you gotta smack him aside the head for that. That's ridiculous. I mean, he just yeah. you know, blindside targeting it, whatever. Um, Fritz is still Fritz, uh, but Josh Hosang has uh, given the Islanders a trade uh, request or has put in a trade request through his agent. Um, you know, this has kind of become a little thing. It's a little bit died down now that the that the games have started, but. Uh, According to Elliot Friedman on uh, last Saturday's headlines uh, during Hockey Night in Canada, uh, he said that uh, Josh has been kind of looking around trying to find a fit, uh, but he isn't really hearing anything back. Uh, The uh, quotes from Lou Lamorello, I should have gotten these up before, uh, were very weird, I thought. They were kind of a little bit stilted, if I'm being honest. Uh, He was saying that, you know... uh, it was very weird. He was like, we're doing the player a favor and, uh, you know, we're trying to do the things we best we can and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it was kind of weird the way he said it. Uh, let me see if I can find it. But, uh, you know, I th- it sounds like what they're trying to do is, you know, find a new spot for this player. Oh, here we go. Uh, so this is what Lou said on a conference call after Josh's um, – trade request became public. He said, what has transpired is that this representative, his representative has simplistically in a very respectful way because of what has transpired over the past couple of years, asked if we could entertain, maybe another team would possibly be interested in Josh. That's an awful lot of bet hedging going on there. Like it's sort of kind of, maybe he wants to almost possibly potentially find another team. It's not really the way Lula Amarillo operates, but it's kind of strange. Um, you know, he said there were no issues off the ice. There was no personality problems or anything. It's just this player feels like he's, you know, not going to crack this lineup and uh, he wants a fresh start someplace else. And that's fine. But, you know, Josh has a couple of things going against him. Uh, Craig Custance had a nice article about this on The Athletic today. But first and foremost is, unfortunately, his reputation, rightly or wrongly, uh, precedes him. And, you know, player teams might not be willing to take on that extra responsibility. But an even bigger problem is the fact that there's a 50 contract limit. And a lot of these teams are right at the point where they don't want to add new contracts. There are 49, you know, 47, 48 contracts. They don't want to add another one because it limits their flexibility. And they, if they are going to use one of those contract spots, they're going to use it on one of their own guys. So I think Josh might be hearing a lot of, yeah, man, we'd really love to, but we don't have any room for you right now. And so that's also going to mean that Lou's not going to be able to get anything from him. And Lou also said that if they can't put something together, he'll come back and play in Bridgeport. We've yet to see that, but, uh, it was a little bit weird. You know, I felt weird kind of seeing another Islander put in a trade request. I remember we all remember the last one, which was, I guess, technically Travis Hamannick, but that was kind of a weird situation. But we all remember the Nino Niederreiter situation. And this is a lot different than that, though, because once he passed through waivers, everybody kind of shut up about it. <laughs> you know, there wasn't any like, oh, we're going to steal him from the Islanders. Like all of a sudden it became very clear that general managers in the NHL don't really feel like a burning need to acquire Josh Hosang. Yeah, I mean, if if you go down the list and you just name every NHL team and you say, would this team get Josh? Would this team trade for Josh Hosang? Would they give up something? And like you said, especially with the cap, uh, the contract limit, like, no, it's not. It, most of them would be hard nos. Like, there's like maybe three or four that I think might make sense from a this that team could take a risk on a on a guy like that. Like the Senators, surely could do it, and uh, you know maybe the Canucks. I, like teams that that definitely aren't expected to win. Um, but then you also got to remember who runs each of these teams. And uh, like you said, like they're just NHL GMs for better or worse. Most of the time are just dudes who are old school and care about a lot more than whether or not some guy is flashy and has a lot of skill. Um, I actually, I remain kind of optimistic with how this is going to turn out because I, I think if, if it was going to, if this situation was going to, spiral to the point where the Islanders would mess it up, it would have already happened. Uh, (laughs) he's, he's obviously a a, a good piece, like a good piece that you, of of, like a good player you'd want in in your organization 
from a on the ice perspective. Like he's he, he provides a lot of depth at, uh, and has skill, which the Islanders are short on, and players get hurt. So if if he's he doesn't obviously he's thinking about he wants to be in the NHL right the second. If he had just gone down to Bridgeport and and played well, like he would be up, you know, first or second between basically between him and Wallstrom. Uh, if one of the guys in the top six went down and he's probably not going to be that anymore because he, he did this, these trade requesting or he put in this trade request. So, uh, it's, it's frustrating, but, uh, I don't think it's going to end the way that Hosang thinks it's going to, because that would have <laughs> already happened. And he's, de- he's not dealing with, he's not dealing with Garcino. He's not dealing with like Mike Gillis or, or Fenton in, in Minnesota. He's right. dealing with. Like Lou Lamarillo, like this right. guy's not going to give in. Yeah, I thought I was thinking about this on the way home from work tonight, you know, because we were going to talk about it. And I thought there's not going to be a Sebastian Kohlberg situation here where they just kind of like pull the shoot, pull the ripcord and just get something out there. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Lou is perfectly happy to wait for whatever deal he sees fit uh, to take and then take it. And Josh can deal with it how he wants. If that means coming back to play for the Sound Tigers, then, then so be it. If he's going to sit at home, then so be it. Um, you know, the problem is, and, you know, again, the customs piece alluded to this, like once you've been passed over on waivers by everybody, where do you think the trade is going to come from? You know, I mean, and there are reasons why guys don't get picked up on waivers. The 50 contract limit is kind of a big deal. Apparently some teams did kick around the idea of picking up Thomas Hickey, but that two and a half million for the next, you know, per year for the next three years was a stumbling block for them. They didn't want to take it up. So you never know. And the, and the fact of the matter is it's early in the season. And so a lot of these teams have seen all of these teams have seen their prospects come through and they're excited for those guys. So they're not about to just add somebody else's just for the fun of it. They're, you know, if they're going to add somebody, it's going to be one of their own guys who they're pretty high on. Um, so Josh has, again, has a lot working against him and, you know, this isn't personal. I mean, it's, apparently now that it isn't for Lou Lamorello either, he says, this is not a player who is not a good hockey player. This, uh, uh this is a player who did not make our roster and, what will happen in the future, depending on how he plays and how he compares to the players that he's playing with as far as a recall. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, he's, <laughs> this is not a punishment. This is simply a hockey decision. So, I mean, you know, this is the guy just went down, not because he was punished, but because, you know, he just didn't make the team. And now he's decided to do this. I, I don't know what's going to happen. And I, you see kind of <laughs> you see these trades thrown around. People sort of go and they sort of pick and choose other problem guys from around the league. And they kind of throw that together. I saw one today. I forget. I don't think it was the Crustens article. I think it was an article about the Stars and the, who are zero and three to start the season. And somebody was like, "Why don't they just trade Julius Honka for Josh Hosang?" Julius Honka, if you don't know, is an uh, hold is still a last RFA holdout. He hasn't signed a contract with the Stars. He's a defenseman. He's a pretty good player. But as we've established last week, the Islanders have eight hundred defensemen that they don't you know really have a place for. So I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't see a Jesse Puliyarvi trade for Josh Hosang happening. He's playing in Finland and. I think the Oilers still have plans for him. So, you know, the problem for Josh right now is he just doesn't have any value. He's not bringing any value to any team. And I don't think anybody, any team is going to give up something of value to get him because they just don't, again, see the need to get him. Uh, He can go to the AHL because he's already there, which is kind of helpful. But again, somebody's going to have to give up something to get him. And I just, I just don't see that happening. I I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that by the end of this month, I think Josh Hosang is back in Bridgeport, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I think that's probably the most likely outcome right now. And um, yeah, I, I hope for our sake, as Islander fans, and his sake, because he he's a good player, and you know he he he's a different kind of player too, which is fun. Like you know, yeah. there's there's one Josh, <laughs> there's one Josh Hosang in the league, and we have him, which which is cool. And uh, hopefully he you know he realizes that. Um, and also selfishly because when the you know during the canadian national anthem the jets fans scream like true north mm-hmm. when that when those words come up and i was thinking that if joshua sang was an islander and he was good and he was producing and was like a mainstay islander we could say ho sang during the the american <laughs> national anthem when it's when instead of oh say can you see mm-hmm. but uh that was that was the, he would uh, need to be a lot good really yeah, good <laughs> yes exactly right he'd have to really step things up right. um but he could because he's sure. he is a talented talented individual and uh the other thing too is like he's not coming up if leo Komarov goes down with an injury like that we've we've seen how this team operates if he's not coming up if matt martin goes down with an injury or cal mm. clutterbuck 
Barry Trotz wants fourth line players on fourth lines. He wants third line checking mm-hmm. players on third lines. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- that's that's the funny like that's just not the funny thing. It's just like kind of how it crumbles with with the Islanders. So um, he's gonna have to earn it, and if he's not willing to do it, it he's. I would say the the most likely scenario is he's playing in Bridgeport, and the second most likely scenario is that his they end up terminating his contract and he goes <laughs> plays in the KHL or something. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I could kind of see that too. That that would be, I don't know about the nuclear option, maybe the atomic option, or yeah. the uh, <laughs> something like I mean, that. Just think about the team that was like, the, they, this is how hard it is to get a trade done in this, especially in the beginning of the year. Like the Islanders and Jets are perfect trade partners. I don't know why Lou Lamarillo and uh, Kevin Chivala day off didn't just meet before the game yesterday and say, all right, like, yeah, right. you could take our Sebastian Ajo and we'll just take, you know, your, one of your forwards that can right. score. Like that's, that it makes perfect sense on paper. That's not how it works. Like <laughs> it would make a lot of sense for a bad team to take a shot on Joshua saying, but it's sure. just, there's so many moving parts in the salary cap that yeah. well, it's hard. The Jets are apparently still in a holding pattern because of Bufflin. Like they don't, I mean, and Friedman too, getting back to that headline segment was very cagey. He was like, you know, people are like, well, I don't, you know, it sounded like he got maybe directions from Bufflin's agent, like you know, don't say we're going to retire or we're going to play because we don't know. So he was very cagey, but you know, I feel bad for them. Like you know, you you have this huge missing piece. You've already traded a couple of your other defensemen, and now all of a sudden, you know, your defense is really literally six guys off the street, and it's a real shame. Um, but uh, you know, they you'd think that they would jump all over a Thomas Hickey, but you know, then you got cap constraints and you got all these other things, and so. It's it's a whole issue, and so you know there will be a resolution for Josh Hosang one way or the other. And again, I think the most likely is that he ends up in Bridgeport, and it's and everybody's very disappointed. But uh, you know, he if he goes there and lights things up and and changes things up, maybe you know we'll see him again. Uh, okay, so uh, let's talk about uh, the game that's going on tonight. Probably if you're listening to this on Tuesday against the Edmonton Oilers, uh, you know it's still Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and. Uh, um, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They've got James Neal now, who remember was traded for Milan Lucic. Uh, the Oilers are one of the most fascinating teams in the league because their media writes about them in this sort of very scientific, strange way, <laughs> and uh, that is also dripping with you know homerism and just I don't know. It must be a very remote place in Edmonton. There's not much going on there, um, and so they'll be you know shocked to uh, come to the Coliseum and find nine thousand people waiting for them and. And booing them, uh, you know, I I don't know that Mike Smith is their goalie now, along with um, oh man, who's oh Miko Koskinen? How could I forget? I have no idea who's going to start tomorrow. Uh, G- G- Smith like basically gave up a couple of goals on his own to the Kings the other day. That's the last time I checked in on them. So uh, I don't know. Are you going to be at that game? Are you gonna you gonna watch it? Um, I have softball, so if softball doesn't get canceled, I'll probably be there. But um, yeah, it, it's um tough because I think. That team, like Connor McDavid, can just beat you on his own. That's why you get a little bit nervous. And and obviously, like I'm sure to say on his own, like him, Drysidel, and uh, Nugent Hopkins, that, that those guys can beat you, can beat a team. But uh, the Islanders should win. Like they're that that's a game that they should win. They're home. They they'll have the the opportunity to get the guys they want out against McDavid most of the night. Um, so I'm I'm I'll cautiously opt- optimistic about it. And how about this? I'm pretty sure it's Josh Bailey's 800th NHL game. Oh my, oh my, sixth all time. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's huge. I didn't even it's, realize that. Amazing. Yeah, when I heard that, uh, I think it was Arthur Sable told me when I heard it, I wanted to cry. I was <laughs> happy, tears of happiness because you just think, I mean, what a like just right. an absolute ride that guy's been on in this <laughs> fan base. He's he's like incredibly anonymous, except. Obviously, remember that video from a couple of years ago. Mark Shifley is a big Josh Bailey, Bailey yeah, fan, so sure. I wonder if, if Shifley got a chance to you know switch jerseys with them or, or something, <laughs> autograph <laughs> stick or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, I mean, you talk about like one of the most anonymous, right? Sixty point, you know, basically can pencil him in for fifty to sixty five points a season as a second liner uh, in the league, and he's like it would be it would mean a lot if Josh Bailey. Uh, goes from you know start to finish as a one jersey guy as an islander because the the people that were drafted around him when he was part of that core with oposo and nielsen and hamannick Tavares, basically every like that that group for him to be the last man standing and for him to be the one that actually gets from draft day to the day he retires as an islander would 
uh, like that would just be the coolest thing. Yeah, you think about how unique that is. Like you, you know, when you think about it, every team, or at least most teams, have a guy who spent you know six, eight hundred thousand game, games with them and was like you know this stalwart guy who everybody knows and wears the jersey and stuff like that. And then you've got Josh Bailey. <laughs> like Josh Bailey has spent eight hundred games with the New York Islanders, and if you asked people to name the People like if you said, all right, name the top six, you know, in terms of Islanders, you know, games played. I'm sure people would say, well, you got Bossy, you got Potvin, you got Trottier. And then how many guesses would it take for them to get to Josh Bailey? Like nobody would think that. Seriously. He's never missed a game. He's been here forever. He's barely missed any kind of time with injuries. And he's just always there. And it's it's funny because I just noticed the uh, the senators today uh, announced that they're going to retire Chris Phillips number. Now, Chris Phillips was like, you know, their first overall pick one year, and, and he was there for like, you know, from their rise from dead last to Stanley Cup contender and all that stuff. And I'm just like, that's almost like the perfect guy to be the first number retired by the Ottawa Senator because he's just such an anonymous, weird guy. You know, he's just sort of like a guy who just happened to hang around for a thousand games or whatever it is. But, you know, to Senators fans, he was just always there. And, you know, he's a, kind of the rock. And it's sort of like, Sort of like Bailey. I'm sure he had people complaining about him all year. Said, Trade him here. This guy stinks. He's awful. And then before you know it, you blink, and it's a 1,000 games later, and he's getting his number retired. It's weird, you know? So I'm not saying the Islanders are going to retire Josh Bailey's number. I'm just saying that he's in a very rare space <laughs> of an anonymous <laughs> players that have been around forever. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really one for Hall of Fame and like arguments and like, oh, this guy belongs in if this guy gets in. But I actually think that, you know, all things considered, if he kind of keeps down this path, I, I would love to see his number retire just because he's he's stuck through it. Like this this guy is could have if you remember when he he extended his contract I think in during the season yeah. where during Tavares's walk year. It was early, and, like it was like November or something, wasn't and he it? Took, and it was a great contract for the team. Like I mean, right. considering what he could have got on the market. Oh, no, it was like March. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was a great contract. Yeah, and it was basically a you know yeah like I totally understand that. Um, I need to take this kind of deal if we have a chance at getting this guy who I'm playing next to uh, on on the books. And he, and he obviously didn't work out. And he just went about his business in the next season and just did his thing. I mean, <laughs> he's had – he's the last three seasons, he's played 82, 76, 82 and put up 56, 71, 56. So, like, this guy is just – when you – at this point in his career, you just know who he is at basically at all times and – he uh, has a little bit, just a little bit of um, kind of pizzazz and and glitz to his game, but everything else is just solid, smart. If you watch, I I, I posted on YouTube the other day because it was or on Twitter the other day because it was his birthday, without realizing that he was approaching the big <laughs> eight 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 zero zero. But uh, his draft video, he just talks about himself, and he's literally talking about Josh Bailey, thirty year old hockey player. He's like, you know, I I'm pretty good. I'm smart. Like I. My coaches yell at me because I don't shoot enough, and I'm like, "Are you? <laughs> you're kidding me, right?" Like oh, this man, guy. I gotta find this now. Yeah, I, the, find you know, this I, I tweeted out, and uh, I think it was like, maybe the day before the home opener or the day of, and right. he just—it's just him talking to him about being a Josh Bailey type hockey player, basically anonymous but good. My name's Josh Bailey, I'm from Bowmanville, Ontario. I play center for the Windsor Spitfires. Favorite NHL player is Joe Sackick. I think I'm more of a playmaker with uh, with good vision. You know, I think I see the ice well, and uh, I always think pass before I shoot, which uh, has got me in trouble over the years. And uh, coaches telling me to shoot more and whatnot, but uh, I don't know. It's just the way I play, I guess. He's a good playmaking centerman uh, with the ability to feed players, feed his line mates when he needs to, and shoot the puck when the play requires that. That's so funny. That's right. Yeah. Well, he, he, he's, he's a pretty smart guy and he knew what he was getting into, I guess, when he started up. But uh, yeah, that's pretty. And it's clear that his teammates all like him, too, because they're all, you know, they, they they don't mind, you know, not that they're going to say anything, but you could you could see that they're a pretty tight group, you know. And, and so he, he's got to be a, a leader in that. But I mean, he'll be the kind of guy who he'll retire. I mean, probably 10 years from now, whatever, he'll retire and he'll just he's exactly the type of guy that will just stay on Long Island. He'll just stop, you know, you'll see him start hanging out at the practice rink or, you know, whatever 
and but he'll just be become a part of the of the community like he probably already is so uh yeah well congratulations josh bailey and and we we would be remiss if we did not mention that uh coach trotz has passed the great al arbor on the game's coach list which is pretty wild considering that he now coaches the islanders so that's a pretty surreal moment but again in very, in very trotzian fashion he was like i didn't even notice until i had the tv on in the background and i heard my name mentioned and i turned around and i'm like oh I'm going to pass him. Oh, okay. I guess so. So there you go. It's pretty at, the, the, at the end of the game, there's like a little video of him asking for the puck, mm. which I oh, thought yeah, was yeah. great. Yeah. I just, he, he's, he's just the best we can say. We should say it every episode. Like we're just so lucky to have the guy. Yeah, really. He's, I, and it's just, it, you know, talk about picking up right where you left off. Like these, these post game press conferences, it's like, yeah, this sounds feels, feels pretty good. And once again, everything he says, I'm like, yeah, I believe that I, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I agree. hundred percent. I can't remember what, 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 part of the year it was last year but he the islanders were kind of going through like a little bit of a dip and and then they had a good game i think maybe they won like 3-1 or something and someone was like you know what was different he's like well that's the islanders like the islanders came to play today that's basically (laughs) saying like yeah this is what we're supposed to look like and we finally do Mm -hmm. and that's what me and my dad were saying during the second period like the islanders showed up (laughs) oh yeah no yeah that was yeah that was how they could play uh again you take the uh the uh competition into consideration but uh you know i don't know if they'll be able to do that stuff exactly against the oilers but uh i think they're a little bit better than the jets are but uh you know we hope to to see it uh okay uh if you were at uh either of these two games or are going to the oilers game or maybe you were at another game that was your favorite game of all time and you have such great memories of your favorite islanders game we want to hear it Remember, we we mentioned this last week. I'm going to mention it every other week. Uh, Our phone line for the My Favorite Islanders Game podcast is always open, and we want to hear your stories of your favorite games that you've ever been to. Do not hesitate. I promise we have two calls right now, which is about five minutes of content. So we need all of your calls. And I'm really hoping, don't worry about if somebody's mentioned the game before. If, if we get, you know, a thousand entries that are all that Penguins Islanders fight game from 2011, it doesn't matter because your experience is yours alone. So we want to hear it. The number is, once again, 646 980 8857. That is the number to call for the My Favorite Islanders game. Voicemail, tell us your favorite Islanders game story. If you get cut off after a few minutes, just call back and call again. It's fine. Again, 646-980-8857. Call that. Tell us your story. We can't wait. Um, The first episode of Islanders Award Winners uh, posted today. Uh, I really hope you listen to it. I have had a lot of fun putting it together. Our friend Kevin has helped me. Uh, The responses seem good. I hope people are really enjoying it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a little bit different and it's about Dennis Potvan and his mustache and, uh, <laughs> Al Arbor and his conversations with Bobby Orr and the time the Rangers got very, very mad at the all-star selections. I'm not making this up. The, uh, Emil Francis was very upset that the Islanders had two all-star representatives and the Rangers only had one in 1974. And he and Scotty Bowman got into a whole big thing about it. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Uh, it's really funny, so you should check it out. Uh, Islanders Award winners, it should already be in your feed, uh, but please check it out, and I hope you really like it because we got more coming. As always, our sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com. You should go there. You should buy a whole bunch of cool T-shirts. Uh, Kevin's got them there. Johnstown Jets, Long Island Ducks, Long Island Cougars, uh, New York Rovers. I should probably put a list together. New England Whalers, New York Golden Blades, they're all there, and it's it's awesome. It really is. Uh, you can use the code LIGHTHOUSE15 to save 15% on your order. That's LIGHTHOUSE15, uh, the word LIGHTHOUSE and then just 15, the number. And, uh, again, he's got he's got over 100 shirts here. There's mugs. There's hoodies. These This is great stuff. I mean, you'll love it. I promise. Just go check it out. Take a look. VintageIceHockey.com. Also, speaking of shirts, I want to uh, say thanks a lot to Joe at Roosevelt's. It's uh, actually spelled R-S-V-L-T-S.com, but it's Roosevelt's. Uh, Joe uh, is an Islanders fan. He was going to be at Comic-Con. I said I wasn't, I said I wasn't going to be at Comic-Con. He said, oh, I was, was going to be at this uh, booth, and we started talking. They have great stuff here. They got Ghostbusters stuff, Rocky stuff, and uh, he actually sent me a Rocky T-shirt with a picture of Mickey, the trainer, you know, Burgess Meredith on it, and it says, get up, you son of a bitch. Mickey loves you. And I can't wait to wear it to the gym. <laughs> it's the shirt is too good to wear to the gym, but you can't get a shirt like that and not wear it to the gym. So 
I love it. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. Check it out. RSVLTS.com. It's pronounced Roosevelt's. They got Teddy Roosevelt stuff there. I mean, come on. You buy Teddy Roosevelt shirts along with your Ghostbusters and Rocky shirts. And they have an Apollo Creed shirt that I'm waiting to get in my size because it's awesome. What else? <laughs> oh, congratulations to Arthur Staple and Andrew Gross for their new podcasts. Uh, I'm sure they're going to do way more traffic than us, but they're both great. So you should listen to them. There's 100 Islanders podcasts out there. Um, but they're really good. I'm sure you've already listened to them already, but uh, congratulations, guys. They're both really, really excellent, and if Gross is going to start talking to Trots and Islanders uh, every week, we're, we're done. We're, our, our traffic is, is going to sink <laughs> like a stone, but there you go. That's nah, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it was a regression. It was the yeah. Islanders' anxiety. Everyone was saying we were going to regress, and yeah. so here comes the regression. Here it comes. Yeah, yeah. It was only a matter of time, really. But uh, no, seriously. <laughs> and and the uh, Staple and Parish, uh, no sleep till Belmont is great too. You should check that. Mark Parish is is hilarious. He's that guy's so he's so funny, and and Staple sort of sets him up, and he just comes in with these these great stories. I can't wait to hear more. Uh, okay, what else? Anything else? Uh, you, how how was how were the game experiences otherwise? How did you tailgate at all? Did you get a chance? Uh, not really. I, we did a you know a lap, and it. I mean. It looked, it looked fun. It looked the same. It, the cars were honking, and at the end of last night's game, so that um, I can't wait to see what um, the next town hall meeting in Elmont when people talk <laughs> about the, the, you know, I did. I went to an Islander game, and they do this crazy thing at the end, and mm. they're all honking, and it's going to be hard to tell. It's like crying wolf. You don't. <laughs> those horns are not for that. For playing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what they come up with, but. Uh, oh yeah, we haven't heard much from the uh, the lawsuit. Uh, front these days, so yeah, I guess they're progressing as as expected. Uh, I think the window actually closes soon for any new lawsuits, so we might just ah. have the last couple. Uh, okay, well, I guess that's about it. Uh, oh, I you know I totally forgot this last week. The, the first thing I should have said: read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, the other day when uh, it was the the old home opener, and uh, I was I saw a whole bunch of comments were there, and I was afraid that another Josh Hosang. Uh, you know, flare up had happened. And then when I went to the comments, I noticed that there was about 150 comments about Dio and Sammy Hagar. And I was like, oh, thank God. This is this is what I come to this site for. <laughs> In-depth discussion in the comments about the greatness of Dio and Sammy Hagar, uh, which is uh, a subject that I, I care very much about. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, so yes, please read Lighthouse Hockey every day. Um, yeah, I guess that's about it. So uh, yeah. we'll talk to you uh, on the other side of alumni night. Oh, you have to be going to alumni night, right? I'm, um, it's up in the air. I, oh. <laughs> I know. I'm actually really upset. I have a thirtieth uh, birthday party oh. that I have to. That like, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one. But this is the Islanders' forty eighth birthday. So I know. This is, I'm you know. very torn. Trust me, it's <laughs> it's it's the uh, it's the old rock in a hard place where the rock is. I can miss alumni night in the hard places. I'll have somebody upset at me and hold a grudge because <laughs> their birthday. You know, there are people who who love their birthdays and yeah. You know, more if you if you're one of those people, that's great. Um, and this is just happens to be someone who uh, would be upset. But wow. um, the yeah, but I'm sure the attendance will be good. Don't worry about the attendance numbers, please. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the big takeaway from this from this episode is please, 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 just it's not a big deal. <laughs> and there's your title right there. It's not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll leave that as a cliffhanger. Then we'll see. It. Can Mike go? Will Mike go to alumni uh, alumni game at the Coliseum? Find out next week. A hundred. There are a hundred of them coming, showing up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't. Hundred. Uh, they also have a Columbus Day game against the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, one o'clock on Monday. So that'll be pretty cool too. Yeah, I think I'll be at that one. Hopefully, oh, yeah. I just if I can get my hands on an alumni list before, that mm. might sway my. Oh wow! You know, because I mean, there there are a couple guys that if they're mm. there. You know, it's it's like if for for some people it'd be like you know meeting when a wrestler their favorite wrestler shows up at the Roosevelt Field Mall or mm. you know Mariano Rivera or Derek Jeter shows up you know yeah. my my uh my version of Mariano Rivera is Andy Hilbert so <laughs> <laughs> uh my my wife just showed me a picture of one of her students she's she's a teacher she's a high school teacher and one of her students was at New York Comic Con this week and she's like oh yeah my my student showed me this picture he met Billy D Williams and I was like oh that's pretty cool and she shows me this picture of him and and she's like, yeah, and he, he met this other woman, too. And I, I my eyes are terrible. And I could see from across the couch, I could just make it. And I'm like, 
What do you mean other woman? That's Nichelle Nichols. That's a Lieutenant Uhura. And then I, I had to give it to my wife because she didn't know who Nichelle Nichols was and who was television royalty, science fiction royalty. I mean, so so was Billy D. Williams, obviously, but Nichelle Nichols was before Billy D. Williams. And I was like, how could you not know who Nichelle Nichols was? Anyway, go out and watch some Star Trek tonight. I know my friend Mike B is going to be watching some Star Trek. He's a huge fan. But uh, okay, so uh, if you're going to any of these games, enjoy. Maybe you'll see Mike there <laughs> Saturday or Monday. Uh, and uh, we will talk to you again sometime next week, I guess, not Monday. but uh, Or maybe maybe we'll see. We'll, we'll have to figure out. We, we never know our schedule before we, we talk about it. But uh, we'll definitely be back next week, and uh, we'll see where the Islanders are sitting. All right, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.